how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. In the new comedy book club, four lifelong friends have their lives changed when they decide to read Fifty Shades of Grey in their monthly book club. The film stars veteran actresses Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen, and Mary Steinbergen. Writer duo Bill Holderman and Aaron Sims met while working with actor Robert Redford. Holderman wrote the script for A Walk in the Woods, and Sims originally worked as Mr. Redford's assistant. At Wildwood Enterprises, the writing duo had the idea for Book Club in 2012 when Holderman sent his mother the Fifty Shades trilogy as a gag for Mother's Day. In this interview, the creators talk about writing human storylines and universal themes, their goal of showcasing veteran actresses, the importance of listening to an actor's opinion on set as well as within the casting process, and the importance of committing to a project for the long term. I started as an actress when I was about 14 or 15, so I was on some Canadian TV shows and I was a Power Ranger. And then at about 21, I realized I didn't really want to be an actress anymore, so I started to work in production and sort of bounced around and eventually started to work as a director's assistant and got the job to be Robert Redford's assistant on a movie in Vancouver. And Bill... Uh, was producing the movie and had written the script and they had just gotten rid of their development executive and in the course of the four months you know we really connected and they offered me a job in LA to work at Wildwood so it was a pretty incredible jump <laughs> pretty pretty big leap and so I did development for a few years and then Bill and I had this idea and for me it uh, I was an economics major in college this was never sort of the thing that I thought I would end up doing. Um, I come from a whole family of lawyers, but um, I was working for a professor at college at the time at Northwestern, and his son was a writer for Friends, and it kind of opened me up in the 90s when Friends was such a huge hit. It opened me up to like a world of sort of possibility that, oh, that is something that people can actually do for a living, and this show that I so adored, um, it made me realize, like, wow, that's something that's really different and something I never imagined. And so I came out and did internships before my senior year and then moved out here with a group of friends and then slowly but surely sort of made my way to film and climbed 
climbed through the sort of up the ladder um, and always was writing. I mean, writing was sort of, to be honest with you, I kind of kept writing my way um, up the, the rungs and that was, that was it. So where did this idea come from? How did you guys come up with the idea for book club? So Bill and I were working at Wildwood in 2012 when the books came out, Fifty Shades, and Bill decided to send his mother the trilogy for Mother's Day. Which because I... I'm an amazing son, and that is an amazing <laughs> yeah. Not inappropriate at all. Yeah, and I was pretty mind-blown. So after a few minutes, I realized that it was hilarious and genius. So I sent it to my mom and to my stepmother, and that started a conversation about our moms and how there are different perspectives on aging and dating and sex and blah, blah, blah. And the next day, we had the idea said, what about a book club with women in their 60s? At the time, our actresses were in their 60s when we had the idea. Yeah, and I think, you know, we were, we were working at a company at the time that was targeting material for a certain demographic, so it was in our mind. And we really, uh, we really wanted to make a comedy, and we really wanted to work with, um, you know, actors that we felt uh, we were just huge fans of. And so this was... Yeah, we wrote the foundation. We were writing them a love letter. It almost seems surprising that a movie like this could get made, but I guess it's more and more common these days. So there was a lot of, um, you know, support from the studio right away. No, not at all. And I think you know, what's interesting is we had we optioned the scripts, and literally nothing happened for two years. And so we eventually got the rights back, and um, a couple of the financiers that were interested originally were still interested. Um, we got a lot of pressure to sort of cast younger. That was something that we just refused to do. Um, so those people, anyone that told us cast younger or get rid of the book, uh, they were pretty much, those were non-starters for us. So we got rid of those, those options. Um, but we got it financed independently and we, you know, it was not an easy, Paramount didn't come on until um, after we had finished the film and we were in post. Um, so it was made independently and, and on a tight budget and a tight schedule um, with some of the best actors working. And so it was, it was a, on one hand, it feels like a big movie because we have these big movie stars. On another hand, you know, it was a, it was a small independent movie um, in the way that we had to sort of go through production. Yeah, and we've been very, we were very lucky to have a studio take us on, which is pretty rare, and release us like a studio movie. That was pretty incredible. When did the four main stars get involved, and then afterwards did you start to alter any of the parts to kind of fit their quirky characteristics? Yeah, so we had originally, we wrote the script um, for Diane Keaton, and Diane's name in the script was Diane, her name in the movie is still Diane. Um, in the first draft of the script, the character that, Jane Fonda ended up playing, um, who became Vivian, but was Jane in the original drafts of the script. Um, so we were really targeting them uh, and targeting those actors. Um, and then when we ended up casting, we, we cast Diane Keaton first. And it's, I can tell you it's a lot easier to go out with a script with Diane Keaton attached than it is to go out with just a script. Um, and that really helped us sort of land the rest of the cast. And we, one of the things that I really, it's probably my favorite part of the creative process is to sort of custom tailor um, 
scripts and stories to specific actors and, uh, and to their desires. So that was something that we definitely did when we had the cast come on. We worked really closely with them to, to sort of fine-tune it and make it um, material and dialogue and, and characters that they really felt comfortable um, embodying. Did you do the same thing for the the male the male counterparts? I was kind of surprised. I think I'd seen a trailer about it and catch that you know all of these Andy Garcia and Craig T. Nelson and Richard Dreyfuss were all in the film as well. Did you start to cater those roles as well? We did. I mean, the thing that was nice was a lot of those roles were um, we were able to cast people that really were the right people. Um, so there wasn't a ton of sort of rewriting for them, but there was definitely some sort of fine-tuning and massaging and making sure that, you know, everything that they were saying were, were things that they really believed and um, and were really sort of natural and organic. But, uh, yeah, for the men, there wasn't a ton of sort of big rewrites, but there was a lot of, you know, just making sure that they were, they were happy and comfortable with everything that they had to say and do. Um, so let's talk about like the actual film itself. There's a lot of uh, metaphors and symbolism, like things revolve around. There's a conversation, but there's also some nods to a motorcycle or a record player. How important is symbolism in the film? And if you want to give kind of an example of, of one you chose to use for a scene. Yeah, I mean, I think that was something that for us, um, because it's a book club and because there was sort of a a literary center to it. We liked the idea of playing with some of those things that are sort of literary devices. So we use symbolism um, quite a bit. And we also, you know, we liked, uh, these are very smart, sophisticated women um, and live in a very sort of highbrow life. And yet we've brought in this book that had obviously a huge impact culturally, but also can be viewed sort of slightly as lowbrow. And so we liked playing with the highbrow, lowbrow of it all. Um, and we liked playing with, you know, we, in various moments, we have them um, sort of correct interpretations of poetry. We have them quote um, poems and, and writers. And, you know, all of that was stuff that we really, we really enjoyed um, sort of using some literary devices uh, within the within the context of, you know, the cinematic world. Did you feel any, like, extra responsibility writing, you know, writing characters for these, you know, very powerful women in Hollywood? And I really like the black and white photos that we kind of saw in the beginning. Did you kind of purposely put that in there for nostalgia for these actresses? Yeah, well, we, yes, definitely. I mean, uh, I'm a huge fan of these actresses. I've followed them my whole life. Bill's a huge fan as well. And I kept saying to him, you know, people will want to see young photos of them. It's, these people bring such a huge history to the actual screen. We we all, you know, you feel like you know them. And it's just, for me, I, I love looking at those photos. And so I, I just imagine that an audience would as well. It's just a great way to set the tone and sort of give us the sense of the 40-year friendship. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's still blown away that they're in our movie. Still blown away. So this kind of started with you know sending almost like a, a joke to your to your actual mothers. Did you run any of these ideas for the film like to your parents or to you know women of a certain age to kind of make sure the jokes work or some of these stories like actual stories for the film? I mean, I think we 
as, as any writers do, you kind of draw inspiration from um, people that you know and, and things that you've experienced. But uh, one of the things that we've been asked several times is, you know, obviously we're not um, this age and we're not, you know, uh, me being a, a man. It's like it's how did we write for this demographic? And the thing that um, I always go back to is, you know, we had these incredible um, lead actresses who were going to and did embody the roles. And for us, that was always the, the great sort of litmus test. So if anything to them felt not real or not um, believable or things that they didn't feel were right for their characters, um, we would change them. And we wanted to make sure that they, I mean, they were sort of the, the litmus test of is this, is this age appropriate. And the great thing is, you know, this is a movie that obviously has actors of a certain age, but the truth is, you know, what they're experiencing are things that we all experience at all ages, and we all kind of go through this journey, because it's, at the end of the day, we're, it's a very human, you know, everything, all the storylines, they're very human storylines. Um, they're not... They're universal themes. I mean, I don't think, you don't get older and stop changing and stop learning and stop growing, and, you know, you don't suddenly become confident in every aspect of your life, and... So I think a lot of people see themselves in this movie. They're sort of surprised, given that it's older women. But uh, to reference your earlier question, did we do anything special with these legendary actors? We did. We, we tried to create the kind of dialogue that feels witty, that feels fresh, that's not, that's not saying, well, you're older now, so you won't, you won't get these jokes. It's like you, you, these, these women are funnier than anybody I know, and they're sharp, and their minds are fast. And so we wanted to give them a script that 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 showed that really, and showcased it. I mean, I think so often they're relegated. You know, society relegates people at a certain age to just you know irrelevancy, and we that's not how we view it or them. And so for us, it was it was a matter of you know giving them a, a little bit of a showcase because their talent has not in any way subsided. Yeah. Older or not, they still get the joke. And I think that's what the audience is responding to so well. And that's why they're so, sort of surprised that they're enjoying it so much and so funny. Because I, I don't know, I don't think people give them this kind of material to work with very often. I think that's really personified too when you know when Diane Keaton's character first goes and they kind of tell her to stay downstairs in the mall and you kind of see what they think of her and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, we we definitely pushed that with the kids. We we got a kick out of making them sort of especially obnoxious. Yeah, but I you know, we wanted to play with sort of a little bit of the hyperbolical version of that where they're like you can't even come up an escalator, but more just to to uh demonstrate sort of the ridiculous fear-based parenting that we're kind of we're all experiencing right now. Um and we wanted to let them be a little more extreme uh, just for the comedy of it. So you guys have both worked with Robert Redford uh, a few times in the past. Was there ever uh, possibly an intention for him to play one of the characters in the film? We, yes, we both worked there. Uh, you know, it was interesting. I mean, this was a movie that was so driven by the women, um, and it was such a female-centric idea and concept. So for us, it was always about the women first. And... Um, and then what we did on the casting side of the men was talk to the women um, very specifically about who they really wanted to play opposite of. So that, 
that process um, led to these the incredible male actors that we ended up with in the movie. Let's talk a little bit about your writing process. You guys are listed as, as co-writers on the film. How does that all work? Do you guys sit in the same room together? Do you pass the script back and forth? What's your process like? Yeah, I mean, it, it varies a little bit, but we the one thing that is a little unique to us is that a lot of times we will literally sit side by side with one laptop open in front of us and kind of pass the keyboard back and forth line by line, depending on sort of who's feeling it. And um, a lot of the time when you're in a really good, healthy, creative collaboration, you're both sort of thinking you're on the same wavelength anyway. So a lot of times, you know, the line that's being written is a line that's in your head anyway. Um, but then, you know, as you rewrite, you, there's times where we would go off on our own and, and work on sections of the script um, and just do that, that, you know, isolated writer thing just because sometimes that's, that's what's required. But for us, the breaking of the story and coming up with all of sort of the the math of making sure that these four storylines were all being served was something that was incredibly collaborative, and we would um, we would sort of beat that stuff out together. Um, the first really. draft was mostly together, and then in the rewrite process, Bill Bill went off and would would do some work, and I would he would come back to me, and I would story edit. I sort of I fell more into the producer role at the very end of our process which was good because Bill was going to be the one directing the movie and had to really take, take ownership. And this is listed as your directorial debut. Is there anything that you learned on set or would like to pass on for, you know, upcoming filmmakers? Oh my God. Yeah. Well, yes, it was my first movie, which is crazy to think about because we had these like legends um, top to bottom on the casting side and, and frankly on the crew side. Um, I, you know, I learned so many lessons on any given day. I think the thing for me that the biggest lesson um, and takeaway for sort of new writers and new writer-directors is to just always stay open and stay collaborative. I mean, if you if you cast the movie the right way and you have the right actors playing the roles, really listen to them and really embrace their thoughts and opinions because, you know, for me, one of the great benefits, and again, we had to make this movie incredibly quickly on a really tight budget, but one of the great um, benefits that we had was that we had worked so hard on the script and we'd gotten, there was so much sort of collaboration with the cast on the script that at the point that we got on set, there weren't, we weren't trying to solve any of those story problems. We were just, we were fine tuning, if anything, um, and everyone is really comfortable with what was on the page. And that, to me, is a huge benefit when you are actually making the movie. Um, and that's true, too, with, with the department heads as well. I think, you know, one of the things that we uh, did a really good job of, and it's something that I'll always want to do, was, was, you know, really make sure that department heads are part of sort of the creative conversations as a unit. And so everyone is sort of viewing the characters and the stories the same. And that was something that was a, a real benefit for us. And I will just say that I learned that if you want to do something uh, on this level, you, you have to be willing to commit for the long term. I mean, it is a really long process <laughs> to get a movie made. And the roller coaster ride is crazy. And so I, I, I definitely learned that I was stronger than I thought I was. I'm sure Bill learned that too. I mean, we feel a real sense of accomplishment having 
held on and not given up because there was plenty of opportunity to give up. There was yeah. plenty of opportunity. And overcome. I mean, you get faced for this. You know, we got obstacles thrown at us on a daily basis from directions that you'd never anticipate. And, you know, it's just you have to be able to sort of stay level-headed and, and keep. We didn't totally stay level-headed. <laughs> I stayed pretty level-headed. <laughs> But, uh, but you have to just keep, you have to just, as they say, you gotta just have to stay in the game. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.